Howdy guys, backcountry and barbells, um, training, hunting, and living our best lives and hoping that the conversations between Jeremy Day and myself um, put you guys in that direction as well. So Jeremy, what's up, man? Oh, nothing much, brother. Just a, a beautiful Friday morning. It looks like um, it's raining like it has been for the last <laughs> three months. Yeah, it's been typical. Um, you know, we've done our best to talk up the Pacific Northwest and how great it is, but we're in that spot that's pretty terrible. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it kind of can get kind of gloomy this time of the year, but uh, yeah. it looks like we might be setting a new record for um, most rain in a month. Yeah, it's been, and that's the thing about it. Like even now, it's been a little. You know, we've been on. We had that spot where it was going to be snowy, and we got a t we got a touch of snow, and it's kind of been cold. And but it's been that it's been the the rain's been thicker than it has it should been. be. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It rained. Um, so I drove to Medford, and it it rained all the way from here all the way to Medford, and I mean it was cats and dogs. Yeah. So. Um, no fun, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you can complain about it, but that ain't going to fix it. So, um, but it sure makes me feel better. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay to grab a bit. No, I wouldn't worry one bit about it. But, um, the other day, uh, we pushed back a recording, uh, because, uh, you had to drive the school bus and, uh, the cool, did. two things about it. One, to volunteer to do something like that is cool. So kudos to you, sir. But, uh. Uh, my first coaching gigs in North Carolina and Texas, they actually made, um, they made the coaches get CDLs. I actually used to really like to drive a school bus sitting all up high and, you know, um, you know, people don't really respect you much. They want to get up in front of you. So you're not stopping in front of them. But, um, I like being high. I like that big steering wheel. And then there's those, I don't know what kind of rig you were rolling, but, um, I'd be in one of those older school buses. Uh, if you can imagine, like, the seat had the shocks, so your seat's kind of bouncing. It feels like you're... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, feel, I felt like I was on kind of like a like a loose riding pogo stick the whole ride. But it was fun, man. I always had a good time. Every now and then when the game would end, if it was a late game, I'd, you know, when I was in control of the bus, we used to stop, you know, get a little get a little dinner on the way back, you know, make a night of it. But... um so how oh, that's you, the way to do it. Yeah, so St. Nick, so you, 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 but I, what I, that was always sport buses. So, thing about driving a sport bus, those are your kids. So, right. uh, when kids are acting foolish, you just turn around and, hey man, enjoy it now. I'm going to enjoy it tomorrow at practice. You know, it was one of them things. But, that's uh, right. Now don't make me pull this bus over. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> um, but I haven't driven like a school bus, like a school route. And, um, I know St. Nick's over there is a smaller school and, uh, uh, but, but how was that, man? Oh, it was fun. It was fun. You know, they, um, a couple of years ago at the auction, everybody rallied together and bought a school bus for the, um, for us people that are live way out in the middle of nowhere and to make it easier on the parents. So, um, it's just kind of a short bus. It's a 14 passenger, so it's not gigantic, but, Ooh. um, yeah, it's a lot of fun picking up the kids and hearing all the chatter in the back, right? Cause our kids are much older than, and when um, we have Titus, who's eight, but um, we don't, we don't have all the kids that live around us. So back in the day, we used to have this nice big suburban, and Michelle was always toting kids around and taking them to do things, and you know having fun. So I miss that chatter in the back of the rig. <laughs> Just kids chatting, having a good time. 
Yeah, yeah. So you hear the Pokemon talk and the, you know, who's the latest, greatest rapper talk because the kids are streamed from first grade all the way to eighth grade. So it it, it, it was a lot of fun. And, and what's cool, too, is they get to they let us use the bus for basketball. So I coach the basketball team. And so the whole team will um, meet there on Saturday morning and we'll all drive together to the game. So all the parents will drop by, drop the kids off and then follow us out there. And, and that's fun because all the boys are all hooting and hollering, kind of get the team together, kind of like what you did. So well, yeah, and it's, it's really cool. It's an opportunity for kids to be kids a little bit. You know, like I always loved riding a school bus and I can remember my kids, Mason being so excited about it the first time he, when um, we were out at West Point and he's like, I get to go on a school bus and i was like yeah man it's it's gonna be really cool just like you think it is and he we had a good time and but i think when you know whether it's middle schoolers that i'm cruising around or high schoolers or even young kids it's probably you know i can listen to my kids in the back of the van and the things they talk about what's important to them or then you know trying to explain some interesting concept you know actually the other day um i was listening listening into the back of the van and Mason goes, you were a surprise baby. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> I turned the radio down. Hey, it's, what, are you, what are you getting into back there, man? And he's like, yeah, you guys didn't know you were having Lucy when you had her. She's a surprise baby. I'm like, first off, where do you get this idea? And you're right. And you were too. We didn't plan any of you. So what's up, man? What are you getting into? So it was just funny, you know. You never know what they're really talking about unless you give it a listen. So um, that's yeah, cool, exactly. man. Then you could just chime in and every now and then let them know that you're truly listening. Yeah, that's it. What are you getting into? But uh, well, that was the thing when we would have the our the the other kids. You would they'd always say that kind of stuff, and then you would really know what was going on in the out there in the true world with your children oh yeah like what's i'm like that's that's what i was trying to get like what's on your mind man (laughs) that's so that's why i laugh so hard because it's just those conversations right they don't know you're listening just as and it's vice versa right you're talking to your wife or you're talking to your friends and your kids look like they're playing and not listening and then all of a sudden you get a question later like well, sorry, that was you shouldn't have heard that. <laughs> well, and I'll be honest too. I think you can eavesdrop a little easier now. Like you know, everybody. We've talked about this a lot. Like people are so into their phones and their gadgets that are you know in their hands. But you know, when you get people into a conversation, they don't assume people are really listening or hearing what they're saying anymore. You know no, I mean? uh-uh. yeah. So, so you know, I mean, you can play the sly dog, put that phone in your in your palm, and you know, whatever. Get get. A- <laughs> Yeah. fake it yeah people don't know but um got one ear one ear's face in the crowd yeah, i do that in particular with the missus you know i try to see what she's talking about so we work right out. but uh you know school buses are cool and actually just um as we're bringing it up there was a cool project i don't know there's um there's a wildlife photographer and, and a guy who's um he's you know if, if somehow you pick up these personalities um this guy's name is sam uh sohalt and uh check out his feed it's actually pretty cool what this guy had did it's at sam so hold so it's at um s-a-m-s-o-h-o-l-t but actually what he had done he to help out uh backcountry hunters and anglers and to get this uh public land movement going to just let people know about it this guy actually bought an old school bus and he ripped all the seats out and turned it into a giant hunting rig 
So it's pretty nice. cool. So along with the school bus, he got a setup where he got his he has his big canvas tent that he puts on the side and he does some cool stuff. And actually, it looks like this year he's renovating like a almost like a A team van to to do it again. So I don't know if this is going to be like if he's going to auction these things off or how often he's driving these things around. But uh, it's a pretty cool project to promote public lands and you know who that seems to me like uh, every kid's dream. You know, getting a big van, getting a bus, and, you know, putting a four-wheel drive on it, lifting it up, you know, putting the bed in the back, whatever. I mean, could you imagine? Like, if you could if you could renovate a rig, okay, this would be a fun game before we get into the top of the day, to just renovate your own premier hunting rig. Okay, this guy Sam got a school bus and did some things, and now he's he's whittling his way to his own perfect van, Jeremy. I know you got the truck now, but look, man, infinite funds, infinite ideas. Is there an ideal hunting rig for you? Oh yeah, dude. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to back up too. Cause I did okay. do this at one time. It was pre my hunting years. I was 21 years old. My wife and I were first married and I was neck deep into skating still. Okay. And, uh, I bought a van, a big van Awesome. and it had all my ramps, my rails, it had all my skating attire in it, so I could just, we could just pull up anywhere and pull out a mini skateboard park. Skate bum, you're a skate bum. Oh, yeah, dude, it okay. was so awesome. I loved it. But, um, yeah, so I always dreamed about having that kind of van, too. And um, so with my truck, I'm going to be getting a, a canopy here, hopefully pretty soon, and then um, turn it into the ultimate hunting rig, you know, where I could just pull anywhere and sleep in the back. Especially okay. after our last excursion, I'm not sleeping in the back of that freaking <laughs> back seat again, bro. I'm telling you that. I was envious of Chad's setup. It's the first time, you know. I yeah, that was great. I didn't grow up camping and hunting. Like I said, I picked this up at 35 years old, and to, I was like, Chad's got that cab, and he put a piece of plywood over the back in the mattress, and he, I was like, oh my gosh, he stores his gear on the bottom and sleeps on the top. That's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you, um, you saw Forey's setup when he pulled in um, that, I mean, they had a really nice Mercedes there, but he, he did a Ford, the first one, and um, he put a lift kit, four-wheel drive, the whole shebang in that Ford, and man, I always wanted that. Hmm. It, it's a cool rig, and he did the same thing. He just bought it bare bones and then threw a bed in there and, you know, the seats, and he set it all up because they travel all over the place and they just go out in the middle of freaking nowhere and camp out. So that's fired up. That's the way you do it. Yeah, no, that's that is the way to do it. So I'm I'm I just got on that guy's Instagram and 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 um, following him. So I'm curious to see what it's going to look at like when he's done because now they're making ones that are like so extravagant and wonderful. I I think it's still a Mercedes. It's four wheel drive and it. Um, I saw it. It was like from sixty thousand dollars to a hundred and fifty thousand, all tricked out. Ooh, yeah. But I mean, it has like everything. Sure. It's. I guess it's one of those sprinter vans. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. Cool. So go back to your go back to your skate rig. Is that is, is that where the story ends? You just had the skate bum rig and you toured around. I mean, uh, yeah, I was in Pocatello, Idaho, and um, me and my friends, man, we just all pack up in that sucker and just drive around and find anywhere where we can you know skate and then get kicked out load everything up go skate get kicked out go load everything up and uh yeah it was really cool it was pretty awesome until winter time because uh it was an old van an old ford 
So it would take a, forever to warm up. So in the winter over there, it gets like eight degrees, no, I believe zero it. degrees, and I'm in there, you know, shivering and, and everything. But no, I love that dang van and wish I didn't have to sell it. But then we had Joey and then uh, decided to move back to Portland. Oh, So um, I, got, I got rid of it for the same amount of money as I bought it for. So, there but you go. man, it was, it was the ultimate skater mobile. Well, everyone everyone remembers that first car they fell in love with. Okay, mine was a yeah, yep. I was an eighty seven Monte Carlo. I loved it. Nice. <laughs> it was good. I always wanted an SS, but um didn't get the Monte Carlo SS, but my first car was a nineteen eighty seven uh navy blue Monte Carlo. It did have the eight cylinder in it. That thing just floated on the highway. It wanted to be on the highway so bad all the time. Uh wide open. <laughs> it was an awesome car. Um, beat on it like anybody else with their first car and uh I that uh, actually traded that up when I did go to college for just a little um a little Honda scooter there to go back and forth from college but you know everyone nice. everyone remembers that first car so you guys out there listening uh your you, two options here if you want to follow along and interact with the show maybe uh your your ultimate hunting rig or uh you know what was that what was that first car that you kind of didn't want to sell, but you, looking back on it, you wish you still had it. One of those guys. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know if I still wish I had that Monte Carlo, but uh, <laughs> I no, did. No, I did have, um, when I took some time off in 2008 during the crash, I uh, figured out what I was going to do for a living. I, um, I bought an old International Scout. I always wanted a 73 International Scout. Okay. And I bought that and restored it, and um, that was the absolute ultimate hunting rig, man. And that was one that I truly, truly regret selling. But well, that thing could go anywhere. Oh, dude! It <clears throat> and it had eighty-nine thousand original miles on it. The problem with it was it was from California, and the whole floorboard was um, rusting away and just falling out. And Salt I was like, water I do tore not. it up. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I could look. Unfortunately, at the, I sold it. I could look at this and see that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because what's cool about this, it can go everywhere. But it's got that. You know, I don't know how these trends rotate, but it's kind of got that that old cool appeal to it. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know when something gets old enough to be cool again, or or if these things were always cool. They probably always were. But um, no, I I hear I see what you're saying here. I see it. Yeah, that Scout 2 is what it was, and um, and it was pretty roomy in the back, and I could throw all my hunting gear in there, and Very cool. uh, the turning radius was unbelievable, and and I actually got 16 miles to the gallon in that damn thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> there you go. Well, sweet, guys, so what's your what's your ultimate hunting rig? You know, we're reminiscing about vehicles. I don't know who you are. I'm not really a car guy, but who isn't a car guy also? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean right. You see a cool vehicle or there's something cool mechanical. And it's probably the same thing with firearms. You know, I just didn't grow up with guns. I'm not super experienced with them. But dang it, um, handling them is cool. And the more you handle them, the more you want them. And it's probably the same thing with trucks and fixing them and doing things. I'm sure once you go down that rabbit hole, um, you ain't coming back. Uh, <laughs> so so cool. But, you know, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, we're into the interesting time of the year where you're between hunting seasons. Um, for us, it's been rainy and nasty and there's things going on, but, um, I thought it would be cool to, to get into what the heck we can do outside of, um, 
hunting and training uh, during this time of year just to keep your mind active and, and just to, you know, still have a good time, you know, because, you know, hunting takes up a big block of time. You go off and do these big weekend things and, you know, that energy has got to go somewhere. Um, and obviously it can go into keeping track of the house and be more productive at work, but I'd rather Jeremy talk about some fun hobbyist stuff that folks can do that, that would maybe benefit hunting as well. Well, for me, man, I'm kind of just a, I haven't really picked anything up. I just kind of hang out with the family and it it always seems like for me, work-wise, this is, excuse me, this is trade show season. Sure. So it seems like I'm constantly gone on, uh, to, on stinking trade shows. So. Well, it seems like that's even. I'm kind of a bland. Yeah. It seems like even that's what the guys who are doing, you know, these, these hunting outfits that uh, have big big followings you know whether they're selling t-shirts or you know they're they're guys who do bow work or whatnot or you know or selling boots or what you know it seems like this is the season for that and it obviously it makes a ton of sense for it but is that how you got into doing uh uh the lubricant side of things i mean did you pick a did you pick um a trade to sell that lined up with hunting season so you, <laughs> no, no, I I wasn't even thinking about it really yeah. at the time. It was, but it it worked. It worked out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. In one hand, it did, and in one hand, it didn't. Right, because our trade show season is also the <clears throat> excuse me, holy smokes, is also the hunting trade show season. So I don't. There's a lot of them I miss that I'd like to go see. But no, I got into the lubricant side just. Um, I interviewed the first job I interviewed just right out of figuring out what I wanted to do. And it just happened to be in a, uh, a gas and oil. They, they, they sell to the, um, gas stations and stuff like that. So, um, it was just a distributor for petroleum equipment. So it just worked out. It just, we, yeah, thank goodness. Cause if it was a job where, you know, September, October, it was, you had to work, I'd like, you can't take time off. It'd be like, I got to find another job. Yeah. Well, even, <laughs> even, even teaching can be tough, but you know, they're pretty flexible on weekends and they're pretty flexible with, uh, obviously, right. I can, I can manipulate some things to, to get my days when I need to. So it works out. But, you know, I do think there are some fun things you can do. I know I, I wanted to bring this up because for the wife's birthday, again, I took off of work. <laughs> Everyone's thinking, how many sick days do they give those guys over there in Washington? How's he get away with that? But um, <laughs> we we figured it out. But um, we actually went for the first time. Uh, the original plan was to try skiing. But have you ever have you ever skied before? Yeah, I was used to be neck deep into the snowboarding. My wife and I. Well, skiing, and it's uh, it's cheap. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> well, I guess look it. it to me, what I learned about skiing is it makes sense if you do it. Like you can, everyone's like, well, you should buy the Epic Pass and you should, you know, the season pass this. And, you know, it's not so bad if you own the stuff. But if you don't own the stuff, to just try, at least for us, when we were going, the, the idea was to go up to Crystal Mountain. All of a sudden, I'm, you know, renting skis, uh, getting an instructor, um, getting the lift pass. It was going to be a, a pretty, a pretty tuned up day. And I looked at Eliza, I was like, uh, you know, this is gonna be it's gonna be a thousand dollar birthday date. You ready for this? And she goes, I don't know. Um, but then we ended up doing some more digging, and uh, 
for forty bucks for between the two of us, we rented a pair of snowshoes and went and climbed those same mountains in the snow and and had a complete blast. Um, if 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 you guys can get into a pair of snowshoes and try that, um, it was a complete blast, man. I would I would recommend giving that a go. Yeah, no. After you went and telling me the stories, I'm I'm very intrigued. And then, um, the the rep, our rep down into the, in the Oregon area, she is really heavy into snowshoeing, and she's doing it this weekend too. And she was telling me all the stories. I was like, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. It is fun. You can get off trail. You can do certain things, and um, you know. I don't know where we were. Like I said, it was just a kind of self-guided trail, and you can go anywhere. And as you you, you kind of flirt around, you see there are some some neat trails and some things to do. But man, for the cost and um, for what you can do, and and the cool part is when you're hiking in the snow, it's just so much more quiet, which is unbelievable. And 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 it's pretty up here the way that the the pines kind of grab that snow, and you can get into some things. But the whole time I'm I'm hiking around with. Um, snowshoeing with the wife i was really nerve i was really upset because hunting in the snow would be easier because those fresh tracks are everywhere i could <laughs> yeah. every time we're hiking on this trail i'd see a set of deer tracks um or you know there was elk sign up there still too so i was like hey honey you want to go off trail and she's like no 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 she's very she doesn't want to do that but uh, so we stuck on the trail a lot. But dang it, you could see, especially with fresh snowfall. And um, you know, we've had conversations before about how do you how do you um, age sign um, when there's fresh snowfall, and it's really easy, I thought, um, and fun to do and fun to pick them up. So um, as much as I like snowshoeing my wife, I have to tell you, half my foot, half half my mind was wishing uh, we could have been hunting, and and, and it's got me thinking that I. I want to go hunting in a snowy spot. <laughs> It'll drive you crazy because you'll be following the track and you'll be like, why don't I ever see these damn things? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you keep going. And then all of a sudden you look up and you go, wait a second. I've been here. That damn thing just brought me in a big circle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's not, but it, it is. It, it, and you can see them a little better in the snow and, um, I like hunting in the snow. I did that quite a bit over in Idaho in the October time frame, November. Yeah, it seems like it's a cool way to do it. And um, I got to talking to a buddy who, um, two buddies actually, who were Eastern hunters. And, you know, it seems like now most Eastern hunting is associated with kind of stand hunting and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, there's some cool resources and guys who the original thing was, and what they would do is wait for the first snowfall. And this is um, out in New York. My buddy uh, Josh does it this way. Um, and, and there's some, oh, well, I can't remember the name of the book. But um, the original thought was they'd wait for the first snowfall and then get on some tracks and kind of spot and stalk or still hunt through the woods. So, um, and I guess as land got gobbled up and there were lesser opportunities, maybe they've pushed more to what they're doing now. But there are some old guys doing that. And, um, goes so far, even guys who are kind of rifle hunting this way that they're they're using pump action rifles so they can get shots off quicker and and some things like that and move faster and and doing it with light gear. So um, I have to dig up the book that the, the the gentleman recommended, but it made me think that that's a fun way to do it. So you know, um, I and it was just fun, man. So um, it got me thinking about hunting when I was out there. It got me it got me hiking. 
in a different way. And, and I'll be honest, uh, snowshoeing very much reminded me. Have you ever taken a jog, Jeremy, on uh, a soft sand beach? Yeah. Yeah. So that snowshoeing reminded me exactly like that. I mean, my quads were were blown up. It was it was a little harder. Um and there were there were some cool moments where uh you know when you get on a less used trail or you go off trail a little bit, all of a sudden the snowshoes get a little interesting and you're you're waist deep in a pile of snow and then you gotta dig on out of there. So um you know there, there's a little thrill in there with it. But I, I would highly recommend doing it, especially if you want to get out in the elements, do something new and you want to do it um and not break the budget. Snowshoeing's the way to go. Yeah, and did you was it a, a sunny day or was it snowing when you guys were there or how was how was the weather cuz it would I would imagine if it got the snow was coming down too hard the visibility would be kind of sketchy. Yeah, we were it worked out really well for us. I would probably say it was perfect conditions. Uh, it was pretty clear driving up. Um when we got there it started snowing. Uh it wasn't it wasn't a heavy snow, but it was just enough to uh provide some ambiance to be honest and uh um, then when we actually got to the top of the mountain we were hiking up to, uh, the snow stopped. It seemed like actually there was like, it seemed like actually the snow was elevation. It, it seemed like the snow was hanging out this one little pocket, um, elevation wise. Cause then on the way back down, we hit it again. And, um, but it was really cool, man. So no, it was perfect. It was perfect weather wise. Uh, at the top, we had a good view. It was blue and clear and, um super fun it's actually fun to watch this so the way crystal has it set up all the snowshoeing tracks are um on one side of the mountain and then when you get to the top you can see all the ski lifts and um all the skiers and you can watch them and and do some of that stuff but um it it was fun man uh weather weather was awesome i don't know what i don't know what the best snowshoeing weather is but i i liked what we got you know it was about it was pretty cold but um you know as long as you were moving you're good to go right and was there a lot of people up there was it pretty crowded or did no. you guys kind of have the trail to yourself we i pretty, mean how was that we pretty much had it to ourselves so the good thing about that situation was on uh it was a Friday, so we took off work because there's been interesting. Oh yeah, there's been another interesting thing that I'm noticing from skiers. I don't know if they, I don't know if they like each other. To be honest with you, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just they're all complaining about how they're all there. You know what I mean? So right, <laughs> there's way too many skiers. Yeah, even yeah. Um, a buddy of mine who skis at Crystal went and tried Stevens Pass, and he was telling me how he was on a lift talking to a guy and the guy was almost like wait wait a minute do you normally ski at crystal and the guy was like uh yeah and he goes you need to go back there like pretty much like don't be telling our don't be telling those guys to come out here because i guess you know if you're following news reports too they were they were turning people away sometimes at and, crystal oh yeah it's just you couldn't get in there if you had bought in a day pass or if you were trying to buy a pass that day they weren't going to do it, and parking's been an issue. There's been moments where, especially, I guess, and I imagine with skiing, it's like at the beginning of the season when people want to do yeah. it, and then all of a sudden they get that fresh snowfall, they're going to go find a way to do it. So they were getting, you know, uh, log jammed and funneled up. So, Well, when you got like three or four million people at the base of the mountain, and <laughs> we, we have three, you got Stevens Pass, yeah. Snoqualmie Pass, and then Crystal are the three that get funneled in from the Seattle Grader. Yeah, and it's the most. So, I guess Crystal's the most convenient, right? You don't have to go yeah. through a pass and whatnot. So I get it, but you know, um, it's interesting. Um, 
and I said this before on a pot on the last podcast we did. You know, there is a there is a uh, there is a, a high brownness to that skiing culture that that I picked up on pretty quick. Um, but you know, to each his own. Get after it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, even in the hunting world and fishing and all that, and I think we've talked about this before. You have the naturalists and then the modern. Oh, yeah. and you get this, and a lot of people are like. Well, I, I seen there was a sign somebody had made. This is a long time ago, and it was, it was down. I think it was down near. I think it was in I, Idaho. Sure. And it said, "Welcome to Idaho. Now go back home." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it was during hunting season. There was a big sign. So. Um, well, we but have- I. I I think the culture and the hunting has been shifting a little bit and, and maybe it's due to social media and, um, you know, you see a lot of the born and raised stuff and they, they just pick up guys and say, Hey, oh man, we'll help you out. We'll call sure. in an elk. We'll pack an elk out for you. But it seems like the hunting culture is getting even more and more friendlier. I, and, and maybe it's the archery world. I, I remember being in the uh, rifle world and the guys were not very friendly. It was like, Hmm. Hmm. When you said hi, you know, or the, you pull up to them and you know me, I'm a talker and I love talking to everybody. So I'll pull up to them, roll my window down and they just look at you as they drive by where most people will roll their window down and, oh, hey, how's it going? And then you can, you know, chat up and. Well, you know, you and I have, that's obviously we're doing this, right? So that tells you something, but like, you know, some people have that personality. It's like, oh, let's, let's go see. And some people who see some other folks in the woods or on a stream, you know, that guy's always the asshole. You know what I mean? That asshole's in my spot, that mentality. So, um, you know, and, and there's probably reasons for it. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's, I don't know. I, I think it has to go the other way, especially when you hear that, uh, numbers are declining and whatnot. It just, you know, for most folks, there's more in common than there's not. And to right. be honest, I think that this is an interesting, we have an urge to click, right? We have an urge to be in clicks and create groups. And there's lots of reasons for that. But I think one reason is, um, two, well, not two, but there, you know, many years ago, I don't know how far back you want to go, but there was a religious aspect that tribalized people, I think to a much stronger, yeah. stronger degree than, there is now and i think the fact is whether you're religious or not or what you do with that energy it's going to go somewhere so if you're not if you don't have like a spiritual practice that bonds your community i think that that's a longing that all of us want and you're going to go find it somewhere so if you don't have a, a a group that you do that with well, when you hunt, you ultimately end up doing that with that group, and then you become protective of your little segment of it, or whatever you end up getting into, whether it's hunting or snowshoeing. So um, maybe a lot of that can be alleviated if if you just, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man, start meditating, you know, uh, find, a, find a group that you want to pray with, and I think maybe people will be nicer to each other in the woods or, you know, on, on, the, on the ski slopes. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And anywhere, I mean, it, and that's the weird thing is, as humans, we we kind of draw to those that are like minded, right? Sure. I mean, you you know, you'll go to gatherings or whatever. At least when I go to a gathering, it's I'm a hunter, and if I see somebody in camouflage, or even when you and I first met, 
I saw you had a Rocky the Mountain Elk Foundation hat, and I just yeah. came over to you, and it was something to talk about. Yeah, you said, you said, are you an elk hunter? I said, I'm trying to be. <laughs> right. th- there's the story. <laughs> and then it began right there, and, and now I regretted it. But, um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, um, but I think we just draw because it's, it's something common, right? It's something you can chat with or, or culturally sometimes sure. too. It's the same foods. It's the same, um, you know, I don't know what it is, but you, you tend to draw to that like-mindedness. And I think that's what happens a lot of times. But I don't think you should be narrow-minded to where you can't be open to talking to people about other things. And, sure. You know, well, because the other side of the coin is, yeah, there's a lot of comfort with what you know, but there's also opportunities for innovation by discussing things that are different. You know, I don't know if people create new things anymore as much as they just kind of take something from one place and bring it to another and apply it successfully. So, uh, you know, in in getting out of your way and meeting new folks, you can collaborate and sort it out, you know, and like we talked about it for, with our late season hunt, you know, you know, there's probably an opportunity for two guys or two groups of guys to help each other hunt rather than, oh, damn it, they're here. Let's go find another spot. You know what I mean? So if if, if right. guys get out of the truck, hey, where are you going, where we're going, you know, this is the plan, you know, let's sort it out and good luck. And then you ultimately know there's some guys on the mountains and then maybe you got a hand packing a big critter out, you know what I mean? Or you, you pack somebody out because I don't care who gets it. You know, when the animal's down, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a it's fun times. It's fun times. So, that's and 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 it's a new experience, especially if you haven't experienced it much. And it's just, it's good mojo too, man. Yeah, was, I mean, there's sometimes you're gonna <clears throat> be out there and you wish, gosh, damn, I wish someone was here to help me. <laughs> that's right. Well, and then all of a sudden somebody will show up. Sure. No, like you said, you, you put in, you get back what you put in, right? So, but um you know, interesting little, little segment that to go down there with this. But, um, I'll tell you one other thing that's interesting going back to my snowshoe is, um, you know, I put, uh, I put those under armor, uh, those uninsulated under armor boots to the test. Um, what I had done with those boots and those socks you gave me, those, uh, those boots are uninsulated. So I insulated them myself with that pair of socks you gave me those elsewhere socks. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. Uh, when I was moving, I felt super comfortable. Um, most times I sweat buckets through my feet and before like moisture penetrates my boots, usually I create the moisture inside and I get like swamp foot coming out. But, uh, uh, the setup I had rolling, uh, for that day was awesome. Now I, I wouldn't recommend it for a sit. I wouldn't recommend it if you're not moving, but if you are on a hike and I, I honestly, that, 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 that setup I had running was great. So if I paired that Under Armour, uh, CH1 uninsulated kind of hunting boot with those heavy socks and those heavy socks, man, uh, from Ellsworth, not only did they keep me warm, but just like they say they do, whatever what they're doing they're weaving and you can give us some more detail on that but they wicked away any moisture i was creating from the inside of my foot and it was unbelievable i've never i can't remember a time where i've pulled a boot off and my foot was so dry when i've hiked so much 
Well, that's what the beauty about those the Ellsworth and you were you were running the the cold extreme and that was the that's one of the prototype um, cold extreme socks and they yeah they're pretty impressive um, they're a little thicker it's a seventy two percent merino wool twenty six percent I think in nylon and a couple percent in spandex and um, they uh, you know, Ellsworth did a phenomenal job on inventing that V-channel to get that moisture out of that foot and get it up and around and out of your boot as fast as possible. Yeah, and, and just uh, to, just to real quick to um, I actually kept the uh, I kept the tag of it because I wanted to compare that sock to some others. You know, there's a lot of socks branded as wool socks that have like twenty percent wool. Uh, these socks that you turned me on, and you said it's the Weather Extreme one. It's it, it it's the cold weather um, merino wool yeah. sock. So it's a little thicker than than our regular uh, warm weather that we call it. And then we also have a tropical. So yeah, well that one was, bro. I got the tag is eighty three percent wool, which is pretty. Oh cool. yeah, that one is. Yeah, so you know, I like the wool stuff. Um, I felt really bad the other day at work. I forgot to put deodorant on, and I could tell I was, you know, I'm running around with kids all day, and I, had, I was got a little ripe, you know. <laughs> so I have, a, <laughs> I have a way about me, and uh, you know, I like wool for that reason. I've just noticed it'll keep my stink down when I'm getting after it pretty hard, and um, especially sweat through my feet. But man, those socks were awesome, man. I want to say thank you for that, and uh, you know, I and just to put this out there, anyone who's looking for like a boot that's going to get them through the pacific northwest kind of hunting season i think that that boot or similar boots like it were great i don't know how much insulation you need especially if you're going to be kind of getting out there and being on the track but you know all late season i ran that boot in different ways um hunting in it um snowshoeing in it and while i was moving um I felt great. The boots are light. They're super comfortable, um, and they're good to go. And dang it, if you don't pair them with the right sock, you can also stay pretty warm. And um, to this point, uh, that sock paired the best with it because uh, I remember one day I actually was taking the lights down um, and hanging out outside on a pretty cold day, and I just had a flicking normal gym sock, cotton sock, and it didn't hold up. So, um, you know, I wasn't as active as I was snowshoeing, but uh, – you know, that, that sock matters, man. It insulates well and, and keeps stuff off your feet and you pair it with that boot that doesn't let moisture in. I mean, I, I was pretty pleased, man. Yeah. I know when we were in our late season and it was 20 some degrees and after about, you know, walking for a mile or so and starting to heat up a bit, my feet were burning up. But yeah. what I noticed is my feet were never cold in that late season, which typically I teeter on that okay, I got to get up and move because my feet are freaking cold. Sure. So, I mean, and, and that's the beauty of wicking that moisture out of there as quick as possible because when you do stop and start to cool down, that moisture is on its way out of your foot. And by the time you're ready to relax, most of that moisture is out of there. So, yeah, they're they're unbelievable. And I would say that was the what you just brought up. That was the hardest part of – not the hardest part of snowshoeing was just managing the gear. Cause it was pretty cold. Like, and I get up there and I'm wearing, you know, I'm layered up pretty good. I got a base layer. Um, you know, I had a regular pair of hunting pants on and then I actually had a, 
uh, uh, insulation layer that I was trying out on top of that. And that was that uh, First Light Uncompadre stuff. And that was good. But the whole time, I'm hiking and stopping and my wife's giving me a hard time i'm like i just i'm starting to sweat i gotta get this off and put this on and throw this in my pack and by the time i came down the mountain i'm pretty much wearing a t-shirt and you know um my hunting pants you know that were going in there um so uh it again in the shirt was wool so i was i was wearing that gear but it's amazing to me what the body how much heat we can put up and how comfortable you can get in really uncomfortable situations when you just get active i know it's nuts it's saved some people's lives right you 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 read these stories about people that have um got lost or something or even hurt to where they couldn't move and they just sit there and do crunches for hours to stay warm and the body's just producing enough heat to where they don't go into a hypothermia situation yeah i could see so. the only downside to that would be if you don't have food to fuel it right so right um, so i mean dang it if you have if you i almost feel like if you have good rain gear and you can get active something that's going to keep the moisture in and whatnot and you can have food in your pack you can probably sit tight for a dang long time and that's probably and that's probably your best bet yeah absolutely but i I will say that there's a there's a pair of gear there's a i got these from first light i also got their um they had these like they bought they had these like um they're kind of like long johns but they're like merino wool long johns and they're kind of these boot cut things and they're so comfortable. I love wearing them around the house. Um, absolutely love them. Love sleeping in them. But every time I've taken them hiking or hunting, I kind of been getting, um, I'll, I'm going to say a term. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I think it's going to conjure up exactly what it is. I kind of been getting like swamp ass. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Well, thanks for the visual there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, 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 and so, you know, whatever you're going to call that, but we, that's what we called it in, um, uh, summer football camp, uh, when things got a little interesting down there, but you know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're, when your hams chapped together, right. Yeah. And so I, I don't know what it was, but, um, when I wear these things, I found out that I have to wear like another pair of, um, you know, uh, briefs with them because they're just a little too loose. So, but I'll say they keep you warm, um, they keep you happy. They're super comfortable. But, man, if you're going to be on the move a lot, um, which is the way I like to be when I'm in the woods, um, I just haven't had a good experience with them. But, man, they're super comfortable. If you're looking for a really expensive pair of uh, pajama bottoms <laughs> or if you're looking for a really expensive pair of uh, um, pants to kind of just flirt around in the house, go for it. And honestly, I think if you are on a sit or you're not going to be moving so fast, maybe a rifle hunt, um, they're a bit of a thicker wool, but I will say this, that boot cut, um, Merino first light, um, long John is the most comfortable piece of, um, wool I've ever put on my body. Like it felt like, it felt like, did you ever get like a brand new soft cotton t-shirt, these soft cotton blend t-shirts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it felt like that. It, it I don't know how they're doing that, but um it didn't it didn't wear well on the move. Um so it didn't it just got a little I was just getting a little too maybe I just put off too much heat. I'm not sure. I was just getting a little too moist down there. I, I had to put on a an extra thin layer of um 
Wiccan briefs to keep things off me, but they did keep me warm. So just passing that along, you guys looking. So maybe that's the other thing. Like, you know, um, just this is probably a good time to test gear out so you can be good for, you know, the next hunting season. So um, along with the snowshoe, and I've been trying to do some of those things. So I thought it'd be cool to pass that along to you guys. Yeah, well, thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the swamp ass part. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> you're no, but I know exactly what you mean. That's the same thing. I, I, I've, I went. You know, I kind of wear looser boxer briefs, but I've had to go during hunting season to a more. Um, I wear a nylon pair, but it's more compression. Yeah. So that I don't get that kind of um that feeling or chap ass you don't want to be all yeah yeah up. I hear Plus, you. <laughs> exactly and it, it is uncomfortable especially once it gets there and you're like oh my gosh i gotta go another six eight hundred feet up and your your legs are rubbing together and it's you know yeah. it's uncomfortable but yeah so you, I, I feel I, I smell what you're smoking yeah you you want to you want to be comfortable and you know and it's funny what can ruin a hunt or an experience or a fun day. And it's never what you think. You know, my wife has these ideas. Oh, we're going to see an animal or, you know, and, and I'll freak out. I'm like, oh, we're going to run into some jerk, you know, and, it, you know, but it's never that. It's usually something like your feet are cold or, you know, you got you got a little rot below the waist. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> right. what ends up screwing it up. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I guess that at the end of the day, the more you can do that kind of also facilitates the other stuff you do, you can kind of always try things, practice them and whatnot. And, and hopefully you get to a point where you know exactly the setup you're going to run. Um, right. Because we're all going to try stuff. Is there, is there, um, and I'll end the conversation with this, asking a quick question. Is there a piece of gear that, that you're interested in trying out this year or, you know, a new release or, um, you know, I, the canopy on the truck. I mean, what are we what are we running this year? We're going to try to run next year in hunting season. That's got your interests. Um, you know, I I think I'm going to get some of those merino wool um, under skivvies, the um, long johns um, for the legs and for the upper body. Oh, cool. Um, that's that's one of the things I'd like to try because I've been just kind of doing the Walmart stuff and yeah. I've noticed that after time it gets a lot looser and it doesn't have that, like you're saying, it just sits there and wobbles around. And when you have that base layer, it is very uncomfortable to have that layer moving around and then your next layer is kind of, is, you know, moving around and then your third layer. And so if you can compress that first layer, that's the way to do it. Yeah, I think so. I, I When I go to the three layering system, I've had the most success with just an old pair of cold weather Under Armour stuff. And it's, it's a synthetic, it's synthetic blend stuff that's done really well. Um, but what I run during early season, um, it's just a really, you've seen what I wear. I, I, I run that really light wool. And I would say if you're thinking early season, cause I know how you hunt, you're fast and you go like I do. Um, I, just I might error depending on what season you're looking for. Uh, keep it pretty light. Even like I said, even that. If you look at, I don't know, I don't know how thick. I think the I think that Under Armour Long John that I got is a two hundred and fifty grain or thickness or however they measure that. Um, I think they're the two hundred and fifty. I'm not actually sure what that number implies to, but it, it has something to do with how thick it is or what cold 
standing it can deal. I know that the bigger that number gets, the thicker it seems to be. But um, the the shirt that I run, and I pretty much run it all year. In fact, when I came off Crystal Mountain in that snowshoe, was that 150 um, Kuyu shirt, and and that right. that thickness I think does really well. I'm actually thinking about getting a pair of pants at that thickness just to have for a base layer as well. Yeah, that would be. Um, that's what I would like to do too. Is just and and go from the nylon to and try the merino wool because I've always been a nylon guy. Yeah, cool. Get it, brother. Those synthetic blends have their their place, and wool has its place, and um, everybody's got their own preferences. So why not give it a try? Absolutely, sweet gang. Well, um, it's fun chatting with you, Jeremy. Having a giggle here and there and uh even uh, you did a good one today man yeah even trading a couple um stories and ideas but um hey i'll ask one other thing for you application season's coming to a close so you got any any you got applications filled out or things that you're hoping for already and you can no i'm just doing point savers everywhere okay so um i'm not going to um i'm most of my stuff this year is going to be all over the counter stuff so Um, I didn't want to put in for any draws cause I didn't want to lock into any particular things cause I kind of already have my hunts planned out. Sweet. And so, yeah. And you? No, nope. You know, with my time frame and whatnot, if anything that I do will be, um, around the Pacific Northwest and then, um, no, I'm, st- I'm still like in that idea where I'm still so enamored by this area. I just still want to explore it. Right. So, um, and with my family situation, I'm still also have that mindset, like the closest spot's probably the best spot, you know what I mean? So yeah, we'll work that out. But that's not to say that if opportunities don't fall in my lap, I won't try to take them. So we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll sort some of that out as we go. And, um, well, cool, man. So, uh, get out there, try new stuff. Snowshoeing's cheap. And it's also a great opportunity to try out any cold weather gear that you might be trying to run for your next hunting season. Um, so get out there and try it. And if there's other things that you guys are doing that mimics hunting, that gets you ready for hunting, but maybe you can also include the family and try something slightly new, um, get out there and uh, let us know. And um, we'd be happy to um, to relay the message or take your information and use it, apply it, and uh, let you know our thoughts. So um, thanks, guys. Um, I'm Joe Shamanic. This is uh, Backcountry and Barbells helping you train, hunt, and live the best lives possible. Jeremy Day, sir. Thank you so much for chatting with me this morning. Hey, no, thanks for chatting with me. And uh, God bless America. Get after it, folks. Very cool. Jeremy.